Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering under the radar and high profile cases from around the country every week. We are recording this on June 17th, 2020. I'm Anna Garcia and our guest today is criminal defense attorney and friend of the show, Allison Treasel. Allison, welcome back. Thank you for having me and I love it here. (laughs) I know we have a case that's that's one of your favorites and we're going to get to that. We've got two cases that we're profiling today. The first one we have is a mom in Texas. She's been arrested after her two-year-old was found in a trash dumpster. And as it turns out, her six previous kids had been taken away from her. But our first case, which is Allison's um, obsession, if you will. Obsession. Obsession. Incredible. And, And it has a huge update, sadly, It is a very tragic ending to a search for two children. So here's the huge break in the case. And this is about the doomsday couple, Lori and Chad Daybell. The remains of Lori's two children have been found. Now, they had been missing since September of 2019. They were found buried in the backyard of the Idaho home that belongs to her latest husband, Chad Daybell, on June 9th. Police served a search warrant, and they also arrested Daybell that day. Now, he he's referred to as their stepfather, and I hesitate calling him the children's stepfather because they married way after the kids had already disappeared, even though it wasn't public yet. So I, I can't even go that far with this. So... Um, But Anna, I want you to think of it in terms of for the prosecution, think of it in terms of a relationship as a step parent, because it's important here, because I believe that later on, and we'll discuss this at length, that Chad's going to use the defense that, hey, these weren't my kids. I had no idea that she had done such a horrible thing on my property. So I think it's important. I do. I think it's important for the prosecution to establish that he actually did have care and custody over these children as well. So just have our have our listeners think about that as you keep going. Okay, a relationship, but I just cannot call him a stepdad. I just, I can't do it. So uh, the remains of um, the two children have been found. They have been positively identified as seven-year-old Joshua Vallow and 17-year-old Tylee Ryan. 
Now, the last time they were seen alive was in September. The prosecutor said in court that the manner of concealment of the bodies was particularly egregious. I don't know what he means by that. What do you think that means? Well, I'm I'm totally speculating, but I did watch this hearing uh, with keen interest in the words that were used. So at the time of the hearing, when he had been arrested and he had been charged with concealment or destruction of evidence, the prosecutor asked for a million dollar bail, which in a case like this, where it's concealment of evidence, it would probably be a $50,000 bail. But the prosecutor was specific as to why they were asking so much. And one was that there were two human, two sets of human remains found that they were of children. So of course we then were safe to assume that it was Lori's two children. And he also said the manner of concealment was so egregious. So there, my, my thought is, did they pour cement over the children? How did they bury these children so that they wouldn't be found? This was actually the second search of Chad Daybell's property. So the first search was, which was actually in relation to the death of his first wife, Tammy. The police executed a search warrant in January. But at that time, the ranch was covered in snow. So they couldn't dig and look for these children's remains. So they had actually been on, law enforcement had already been on that ranch, had scoured the entire ranch. They came up with 40 pieces of evidence, but because the ground was covered in snow, they weren't able to do a real effective search of the grounds. But Allison, I'm not really sure if back then they were that confident of the kind of case this was, right? Because the kids were not reported missing um, until something like December, even though they were last seen in September. Right. But I think that there, if, if there was no telltale signs that they should be looking in the backyard. Correct. But the snow did not make it any easier for them. And the uh, law enforcement was aware that, um, that these children were missing by then. So according to the court documents and this case hearing that you're referring to, uh, the prosecution alleges that Chad hid or destroyed the human remains on two occasions. One was September 22nd, 2019, which is very important because remember, the kids were last seen in September, supposedly on two different dates. So, sorry. So let me, let me kind of walk all of us through that. The reason these dates are significant is one is September 8th and the other is September 22nd. And those are the dates that each child was last seen. So the way they alleged in the complaint, one refers to Tylee, one refers to JJ. And um, so they're saying any time between the 22nd and now, and that's a really common way to write the complaint, if that makes sense. So on or about. So at any point from September 8th or September 22nd. So JJ was last seen September 22nd, while Tylee was last seen September 8th. So complicated. I know it's hard for people to follow this. This has been the kind of case that has been evolving. Um, so everyone picks it up from the latest information. We're going to try and give everyone a little bit of context here. So let's be clear that the children 
were last seen about nine months ago in September of 2019 on two different dates, as you said. And one of the many suspicious things about this case, Allison, is that the mother never reported the children missing. So for months, no one really knew that they were even missing until relatives, especially the grandmother, was like, this is weird. I haven't talked to the, to the kids. I haven't seen them. It, it, that I mean, that's the big almost the beginning of at least the disappearance issue here. Correct. And it, and it goes even beyond that. Lori made up all these fan, all these stories as to why the grandchildren were unavailable for the grandma to see. So she that's why she also, by the way, has been charged with this um, desertion of her children, that she literally not only didn't report them, then made up stories as to where they were. So that's that's where it starts. Correct. Actually, so, no, 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 no. It goes back Anna. to a lot of mysterious deaths, oh, no. of course. Yes, we you don't do. You don't avoid two prior deaths and 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 exclude them from the story. I mean, no, no, no. We're not going to are, exclude. There oh, are a yeah, lot of yeah, people yeah. who are dead no, those here. Listeners need people. to know that there's a lot of people dead here. There are. It and it is so tragic, and I think because it spans three states. And I think, and it spans more than a year, you know, it's like almost a two year span, three states and little things that are happening where people are dying and they appear to die of natural causes that flags are not going off. But when you step back and then if you do a timeline and you look at it, you're like, you know, Jesus, Mary yeah. and Joseph, how did yeah. this happen? Absolutely. Um, so Lori Vallow, to be clear here is sitting in jail and she's been charged with two felony counts of deserting her children as well as resisting and obstructing police, which is important to know. Chad Daybell, which is her latest husband, one of many, um, he is an author of these religious kind of end of the world doomsday books. He's been charged with two felony counts of concealment of human remains and both of them have pleaded not guilty to everything. What's interesting is nobody's been charged with murder yet, but I suspect that will change. It will, but I have to share with your listeners something that is so eerie and bothersome and just super, super creepy. So um, he is charged with this concealment or destruction of evidence. Um, there's some type of grave where these children are found on his property. Chad Daybell, before he became this, this doomsday prophet, was actually a grave digger. No. And he, oh yeah, Anna, he was a grave digger no. and he wrote books about it. And one of the books he wrote was called One Foot in the Grave. Oh my God. I know. The, and I'm, I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm just like, you can't make this stuff up. No, you it, it's not make it's, this um, stuff up. It's so sick. It is so, so sick. It is one of the saddest, strangest, just so many lives have been lost and destroyed because and, of these two. Yeah, I know. It's like, you know, murder and mayhem follow them or maybe they cause it. Mm -hmm. So Lori mm -hmm. Vallow has two dead ex-husbands, a dead brother, and now there are two dead children. Right. And Chad Daybell's wife, who appeared to be perfectly healthy, also died. And that was... She died, and then two weeks later, Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell get married. After the children have been missing for months. That, Correct. Right? Correct. So here's what's interesting about Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy. 
she died in that very house where the backyard is where the children's bodies were found. Okay, so Correct. she's found in that house. She apparently died in her sleep. This happened in October of 2019. Um, her husband, Chad, said she had a terrible cough the night before. Everyone at the time just then assumed that she had died of natural causes, even though relatives had said, you know what? She was fine. We didn't know she was ill. So then Tammy's body, this is what you're referring to, is exhumed to figure out, well, what exactly did Tammy die of? And we don't know the results of that autopsy, nor do we know the results of the autopsy for Lori Vallow, Lori Vallow's brother, Alex, who also died mysteriously. Right. Right. Yeah. Is so, anybody following this? Because it's very complicated. Well, uh, you know, it, it, no, we need it. We need like a crazy uh, family tree here, uh, like a doomsday tree. I don't know what that looks like, but what is, what's going to be so interesting, by the way, is how our authority is going to be able to interweave these cases um, even if they're not charged with the death of Charles, even if she's not charged with the death of Charles Vallow, which was the husband that her brother Alex killed, and he's claimed that it was self-defense. And the police um, bought it at the time. The police bought it at the time. The police have bought a lot of things at the time. And unfortunately, there was so much going on, and you're right, in different jurisdictions that they missed some pretty telltale signs because Lori was actually in the home when Alex, her brother, killed Charles Vallow. And then because she couldn't handle it, she left the house when the police were called. Yeah, that's that's one of the one of the very mysterious deaths. Like it's almost as if anybody that she marries or, or that she comes close to ends up dying mysteriously or very, very violently. Um can we talk a little bit about this relationship between uh, Lori and Chad, um, sure. the, the latest couple? Because Lori's best friend, Melanie Gibb, um, has just you know, written a seven-page letter describing some of their relationship. Um, she said that Chad and Lori, when they met, it seemed that Chad had all the answers for Lori. Correct. Um, that he, he seemed to have had many lives. And that he and she had been married in a previous life. And anyway, it goes on and on and all this doomsday stuff. I mean, I would repeat it, but it's all so ludicrous. It's ridiculous. And But I, I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you. And this is going to circle back what I said about Chad, the prosecution wanting to make Chad the stepfather of these kids. I believe that both of these people are going to be charged with murder. I, I believe that would that will hope happen. So. So I have been asked um, and what, their, what, what each of their respective defenses would be. As you know, I've been a criminal defense attorney for you know, almost 25 years. So I, I've done this a lot. And you immediately sort of sit down and figure out what a, what a defense would be. Mm -hmm. So Chad's, I believe they're going to argue that he said, yes, it's on his property. Maybe he's an accessory after the fact. He will try and make a deal with, with the prosecution to testify against her. But he was not aware of the death. He was not involved in the murder of these kids. And that only later did he assist in concealing their bodies. 
okay. Lori's, and this is why this, the dot, this is why the best friends letter is going to be so important. By all accounts, Lori was quite the regular, boring soccer mom for a while. She was a great mom. She was very involved in the, in the children's lives. If you remember, her and Charles Vallow actually adopted JJ. Mm-hmm. And JJ was autistic. So they adopt a special needs child. The grandparents very freely say, we thought that their best home for JJ would be Lori and Charles. We, we really did. I mean, she was such a caring, loving mom. So she then gets introduced to the teachings of Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell is teaching this doomsday end of the world. People are either light or dark. And which one are you? And he has, and, and he sucks Lori into this. And Lori completely believes his teachings. And that's when her husband calls the police and says, my wife has lost her mind and I believe she's trying to kill me or she's going to kill me. Well, if I'm Lori's counsel, what I do is I say she was brainwashed by him, that she joined this cult and completely changed and she was brainwashed, a la Patty Hearst. That's interesting, counselor. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's going to work. Okay. But I'm just telling you what they probably will argue. Okay. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly not buying it. Um, and it's interesting. Well, I wouldn't have you on my jury, Anna. <laughs> you know what? I've never been picked for a jury. I wonder why. You I know. know. And, That's- and, the, and I always tell the judge the same thing. There, I, I say, look, as an investigative reporter, I know that only a portion of the facts and the evidence are ever introduced into a courtroom and that the totality of what really happened lives out here. So it's very hard for me to base a without case. speculating as to what else is there. I see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just a, but, but we digress there counselor, <laughs> but I don't think we did because I honestly, you know, the one thing that's going to happen in this very sordid, awful tale is that it will come down to a trial right? Because if they're charged with murder, I I do believe that uh, Chad may end up taking a deal and testifying against Lori. Maybe, maybe. But at the end of the day, what evidence is going to come in against both of them? The fact that they, when they were interviewed by investigators in Idaho, they then, they had rented this um, storage unit and the kids stuff was in there. Their toys were in there or that they took off and they moved to Hawaii not to be heard or seen from, um, the lies that they told along the way. So it's going to come down to what what the judge allows in for evidence. One thing we don't know yet is we do not know the cause of death for Tylee and for JJ. We don't know how they big died. Deal. That is, is a very, very, very big deal. And, right? you know, this is not for me to say, but is a coroner going to be able to establish cause of death uh, nine months later. I don't know. I hope so. I sure hope so. Can we get back to Charles Vallow? Because I find him uh, very interesting. So Charles Vallow was Lori's previous husband. As you mentioned, 
that he had gone to the police and said, look, my wife, you know, she's kind of, she's gone berserk. Um, let's give you a time frame. So it would have been January of 2019. So about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and what is really fascinating is that just recently a police body cam video has been released. And here's why that is so important to this case and so fascinating because he's talking from the grave. He is telling you in real time what he's experiencing, the fact that she's talking about doomsday, that she's threatening to murder him, that she doesn't care about the children. And so what's fascinating, Allison, we're going to play a clip for you now, is here's this man telling the cops this crazy story that nobody could possibly believe, right? And you could hear the cops saying, well, you know, okay, so how do you know she's going to kill you, right? But if you step back now with everything we know, that it's the man, truth. it's the truth. It's the truth. It's so the let's truth. play that clip right now because it's unbelievable. She, she's lost her mind. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it. We're LDS. She thinks she's a resurrected being and a, and a, a God and member of the 144,000. She's come. Jesus is coming next year. She took all the money out of her bank account today. My truck has gone from the airport. She went to the airport and got it. So what makes her a danger to herself and she to others? Threatened me, murder me, kill me. She threatened to murder you. Yeah. And she said, "How did she do that?" She said, "You're not Charles. I don't know who you are, what you did with Charles, but I can murder you now with my powers." She's not here. She okay. lost her reality. Is, is this is this just all recent, or has it been yeah. going on? Been going on for about four or five years. It's gotten really, really bad lately. So, what do you make of that, Allison? He's telling the police officer, and he's even kind of admitting it, saying, look, I know this sounds kind of crazy. Um, can you blame the cop for not believing him at the time? No, it's absolutely nuts. But it was foreshadowing of what was to come. And what I find most incredible is given all of the evidentiary rules, something like this does come in. It actually does come into evidence even though Lori would not have a right to cross-examine or con confront her ex-husband, Charles Vallow, he gets to speak to the jury from the grave. Yes. And it appears that everything he said was spot on. Correct. Because, you know, we had heard these reports that she thought the children were zombies. Um, they're, you know, and again, it's the preparing for the end of the world. Here's the part that I don't get. And this is like trying to infuse logic into an illogical premise but if you're expecting if it's the end of the world why would you kill your children wouldn't the world just let them end i'm trying to figure out why the children were killed because they did not die of natural causes so well, and why also, were they killed jj was determined by chad daybell to be a light presence not a dark presence so i'm not sure why he would be killed at all and by the way, I wanted to bring something else up. I would not be surprised if the um, if the the defense argued that Lori Vallow was mentally ill, and therefore she was unable to form the intent necessary to knowingly and intentionally commit these crimes. Why do I say that? Because when she, they're going to use that recording of her ex husband in their defense that this is how crazy she had become. And again, that's contrary to what the entire family had been saying prior to this. I think 
what's fascinating is because she was considered such a good mom and so likable and loved by her extended family that now that the ch- it hasn't really been until the children's bodies have been found that the rest of the family's like, oh my God, it is as bad as everyone was yeah, saying. Absolutely. I mean, by the way, it is heartbreaking for her adult son. Absolutely heartbreaking for her adult son who has spoken out on several occasions and he said that he that the, this news of the actual death of these two children, one of which, of course, is his, um, you know, is his uh, half sister, um, and then you have JJ. I mean, it's crushing for him, just crushing. And he kept saying, "I just want my mom to tell me why. Why would she do this?" He is not alone with that question. Everyone is asking that. Um, so now. Let's let's figure um, let's figure out really how can how can we go from here? I mean, I, I guess we're expecting murder charges because these children have been killed without question. We don't know why and we don't know how. Okay, so I think they're waiting to see what the autopsies reveal for manner of death, cause of death. I think that that is. Um, something that they are anxiously awaiting, but I don't think we'll see murder charges until those results um, are in. However, they're both currently charged with two counts. One is the abandonment of the children for each child. So for Lori, she's looking at five years maximum for each of those counts. So she could actually get 10 years just on the charges she's facing. And for Chad Daybell, Coincidentally, each of his concealment or destruction of evidence charges, two counts, he's looking at five years on each of those. So for 10-year maximums too. Why am I telling you this? Because they don't have to release these two while waiting the results of the autopsy. They can continue to prosecute them on these charges, keeping them in custody, but still investigating the death of the two children and doing a thorough sort of airtight job on getting that case ready for a prosecution. So both are being held on $1 million bond and they have court dates coming up in July. But my question is like the bigger picture. So we have Arizona, Idaho, and Hawaii, and we have two children dead. We have Chad's wife died mysteriously. We have... Lori's brother, Alex, died mysteriously. Who takes over this investigation and does the umbrella and says, okay, people, who's in charge? Okay, so I think that Idaho is the lead um, prosecution and investigation. Why is that? That's where the children are found. Um, Their bodies are found in Idaho. So I would assume, not assume, I am certain that Idaho will be the lead investigation there. What I don't understand, Allison, is if you have three states, you have multiple people dead. Uh, I understand that Idaho is the lead because the children's bodies were found there. But what about all these other cases? It's almost as if you need a super prosecutor that that can. Well, they wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a federal case. It wouldn't be a federal case. Now, just because you get a conviction in one state, which I think will be what happens here. So Idaho would start their prosecution. It doesn't mean you get a pass on whatever other charges may result, right? So Idaho is where the children are found. 
and where Tammy Daybell is, has passed away. So that's where those prosecutions would be. I don't think any crimes were committed in Hawaii. It's just sort of a amazing side story that this is where these two ran off to. Arizona, if I'm, if I, and I believe this is correct, Anna, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is where the death of Charles Vallow and her brother Alex took place. Correct. So if either of those turn into suspicious circumstances, then there would be prosecute and lead to a criminal case. Then that prosecution would take case uh, place in Arizona. This is the one of the craziest cases that I've heard of, but it is so sad because, you know, for months we've been wondering what happened to these two kids. And it's so sad. It, it almost always turns out the same way when horrible that the kids are always dead. And oh, so sad. That, that part of it is so sad. Allison, our next story is so disturbing. A Texas mother allegedly dumped her two-year-old child into a trash dumpster. Now, the mother had her six previous children taken away from her, so she should have never even have had this child in her custody. Two-year-old Frankie Gonzalez was found in a church dumpster in Waco, Texas on June 2nd. His mother, Laura Sanchez, who is 35 years old, has been charged with felony injury to a child. Now, she had six children taken away, and after what happened to Frankie, she had another two children taken from her. So let's talk about um, the case first, and then we'll talk about her history um, and the problems that she's had in court with her kids being taken away. So Sanchez herself, this is interesting, Allison, she calls the police on June 1st, and she said that her son disappeared from a local park and then an Amber Alert was issued. She said she was in the restroom, and then all of a sudden she lost sight of him, and then volunteers searched the park, and this is when stuff starts to get interesting. Well, and Anna, when she calls the police and finally reports him missing, the whole town starts to react, and there's an Amber Alert, and everybody comes to join in on this search. I mean, they are absolutely heartbroken for this woman and all people are desperately searching for this sweet little Frankie. They're looking everywhere for him. But as the search continues, police start to wonder whether Frankie was ever in the park because now nobody remembers seeing them at the park, right? So this is not unusual, right? Where somebody first talks about their the disappearance of a child or whoever it is, and the police start to question them about details because details in cases like this matter, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, that doesn't add up and that doesn't really make sense. And then she says, oh, no, no, no. Frankie was with an adult son of mine. But that turns out not to be true. She tells the police several versions of where Frankie was and was not. So they're becoming even more suspicious now. And then she finally tells a relative what really happened, that she had dumped Frankie's body in a dumpster. So then the relative calls police and says, look, this is what she says. They search, they find the little boy, they find Frankie's body and they arrest her. But Police then determine that Frankie was probably killed 
four days earlier that Correct. he had died at her home. They don't know how he died. They haven't said what the cause of death is yet. Correct. But they make it absolutely clear it's foul play. Well, and every report says she was alone in the house with him. So that's very important. Well, it's very disturbing, right? You know, it's like you're you're staying home with the corpse of your child. It's I awful. mean, how do you even do that? Absolutely awful. And Unspeakable. Then you, and then you come up with this crazy plot that I'm going to toss him in a dumpster. And then, oh, hey, let me deflect attention by saying, oh, the kid disappeared from the park. He was probably abducted and somebody else tossed him in there. Right. No, no. We don't know exactly how Frankie died, uh, but we do know, according to police, he died in the house. Let's talk about Laura Sanchez. She had lost custody of six of her previous children and her parental rights had been terminated five years ago because of neglect and drug abuse. Wait, Anna, let me say this to you. There are a lot of cases of child abuse, child neglect, but I have never heard of a situation where a parent's rights are terminated to six children. How in the world is this woman still having children? How in the world? I mean, I've never been in favor of any idea that you would sterilize a woman or that you could somehow legally prevent them from having children because I don't think that's possible. I don't think legally there's any way to do that. But if there's ever been an argument that this woman should be forbidden from having children because of what a horrible, dangerous monster she is, and I'm not, she is, she obviously is pled not guilty, but I'm talking about the idea that you have your parental rights terminated to six children. She has no business having children. None. She doesn't. She doesn't. And after those six children, she had another three children. Three Frankie, children. Frankie was one of them. Frankie's now dead. And now the authorities have gone in and taken the other two children away, a three-year-old and a four-month-old. They are now in foster care. Wait, so can I tell you why? Can I tell you why they're in foster care? Because, because Frankie's dead? Well, because her her parents, so the maternal grandparents when they were trying to determine proper placement, they both tested positive for drugs. Oh, yeah. It's, it, the whole situation is horrible. So here's, here's Laura's background. So she was, uh, according to court records, she was addicted to cocaine, alcohol, and a bunch of other drugs. I don't know what else is left. Um, she apparently, according to the judge, never tried to really clean herself up, was never able to stay in rehab, and like you said, Laura's parents, who were living with her and the kids at the time, they also tested positive for cocaine. So you have an entire family structure here completely addicted to, to drugs. So right. when her parental rights were terminated, the judge said that Sanchez had allowed the children to remain in conditions that endangered their physical and emotional well-being. And I want to jump in here because um, I think it's so important for the listeners to understand courts are very hesitant to terminate parental rights. It has to be to a place. It has to have gotten so far that a court believes that no, nothing this parent 
can do in the future would mediate, would, would um, allow for a reunification of a parent and a child. So I know in California, courts will try over and over again to get that family reunified. We'll make sure that there's drug programs, mental health uh, counseling. We'll, we'll do anything they can to try and, and keep that family unit intact. But here, this judge found that she was completely incapable of any type of meaningful rehabilitation and that reunification was never going to happen for six of her children. But what's interesting is when Frankie went missing, though, Laura's one, Laura's oldest son went to the park to help search for Frankie. And he is the one who challenged his mother and kept saying, what happened to Frankie? What happened to Frankie? And he told the police she would not look him in the eye. And so she, he knew that she was lying. So somehow those two had some form of a relationship, right? Well, they may very well have. I mean, he is an adult. They may very well have. But my point is, and by the way, this is actually very interesting, is that is the, if this case proceeds to trial, is the son going to testify against the mother? By the way, you bet he will, because he's an integral part of the case. Is he going to testify against the mother whose parental rights were terminated as to him? Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and uh you know, I'm not trying to blame the court system here, but I'm trying to understand how she almost kind of really fell through the cracks here because, you know, she had been well, arrested. I'm blaming Wait a them. Wait I'm blaming them. Uh, okay. This woman, I mean, I mean, this woman, there had to be a heightened alert after one child, two, child, two children, three children, four children, five children, six children of hers. They terminate the rights and she has three more and they are not keeping a Hawkeye watch on her. That's my question for you. This is why I, I'm wondering, this is what I need to know from you. Okay. So she goes to prison in 2012 on a burglary conviction. She gets out in May of 2019. Okay. So my question for you is, is that, and obviously this is a parole violation, her recent arrest. Explain to me how she comes out of prison, she has these kids, and nowhere, whether in the criminal justice system, the criminal justice system doesn't talk to the um, child court system to figure out she should not be around any kids. That's what I'm asking you. Anna, that is a failure of the system. That is a failure of the system. There, the children's protect, you know, for the, for the family law issues, the it's always the best interest of the child. It's always the protection of the child. There should have been a caseworker, a social worker, somebody monitoring the safety of their children. If she's going into custody and they know that she has children, that she either was recently pregnant or just gave birth to a child, why aren't they providing services to that child? Who took care of those children when she was in prison? I don't know. That's the part that's really confusing here. Where did the kids all why come was from? She given, why was she given the children back? Exactly. Or did, you know, I, it's unclear. It is really unclear whether. And when she stopped going to her probationary, when she stopped going to her probation appointments, why would you have that child in her custody? 
Look, I know how difficult it is to monitor every single person on probation. And I am not, I am not saying that their job is not difficult, but cases like this should never fall through the cracks because as a result, a child is dead and that child should not have died. It was preventable. No, of course it was preventable. And now you have a total of eight children that have been taken away and one that is dead. Awful. It is time now for our comment section. These are the stories that you all are talking about. A Florida cool dad lets a 12-year-old drive his Jeep at 85 miles an hour, but police say cool dad was not her dad. This is very strange. Police say that a Florida man let a 12-year-old girl drive his SUV and told her that it was okay to speed because he's a cool dad, so I'm going to let you do what you want. But here's the problem. First of all, Sean Michelson, the man who was arrested here, he's 41 years old. He's with a 12-year-old girl. He is not her father. He is friends with her mother, and they were out at midnight. And apparently the 12-year-old and another friend of the 12-year-old were staying with him which is really really creepy and that the and that the guy bought them vape pens this isn't about cool this is about neglect and abuse awful awful i mean i um i am afraid to know what was going on there um if nothing else what was the mother thinking allowing her daughter with this grown man and um he can be charged with the delinquency of a mom. I mean, he's providing them a 12 year old with vape pens. I I think this story, there's a lot more there. I think so too. I think it's, I think it's potentially very serious what may have occurred. Um, And this is what uh, our folks are commenting. Miller P writes, that's crazy. Is he trying to endanger the little girl's life? He should be, called an evil man not a cool dad pearl c writes he wasn't cool he was grooming her to trust him sick i kind of have to agree there with pearl yeah i I mean look we don't know what ultimately took place but i don't like the way it's sounding i don't like it at all it wasn't healthy that's for sure Garrett B. writes, well, that's a bit fast. I was allowed to do like 20 once on a back road at 13, but damn, yeah, not at midnight. No, no, no. no. Okay, our next case is an Ohio family has given up custody of an adopted son with autism to another family, so now they're under investigation. YouTuber Mika Stauffer and her husband James Stauffer are reportedly being investigated after giving up their adopted son to a new family. The Stauffers reportedly adopted the boy from China. He has autism. This happened about three years ago. Uh, They have four other children, and they said that this child was just too much for them, that they couldn't handle it. But what's so bizarre is that, you know, the couple has made a name for themselves doing, doing these parenting videos on YouTube, and here they are incapable, they say, of helping this child that they adopted. Anna. They called it rehoming the child, that they had to rehome the child. It, it, it's very upsetting um, for those of us that have children and know how difficult the ups, you know, we, we understand the ups and downs of, of having children. But here are two people, uh, especially the mom who has made a lot of money on parenting tips and on uh, how to handle 
a busy home and they knew that the child, when they adopted him from China, had learning disabilities. Um, and while ultimately maybe it is a better place for him where they can provide him the assistance, the additional assistance that he needs, um, to say that he has been rehomed um, is it, it's shocking, it's upsetting. Now, is it possible, Allison, they're saying that what they did was a private adoption, that they found another family where he might be happier uh, because they couldn't handle him and that this family has agreed to adopt him. So is this possibly, even though it's under investigation, isn't it possible that everything has been done legally if it's a private adoption? Yes, yes. I, I believe that the state should investigate it, but it very well could be that this was totally legal what they did. Upsetting, but legal. Okay, I wanted to get that clear. So Wendy P. writes, it's perfectly legal to have a failed adoption. They did the right thing. If they felt unable to safely raise this child, this was definitely the best solution. You know, that's that's an interesting point of view. Brenda F. writes, if I couldn't bring myself to rehome my dog, so I have no idea how they could rehome their own son. And Maria S. writes, to me, this is beyond disgusting. You don't take a child in, and then after three years, you decide to rehome him. He's a person, a baby, not an animal. Just very disturbing case. Very, Awful. Very, disturbing very sad. Case. It really is. Uh, well, by the way, when I read this story and I thought about it, I really hope that that boy is thriving in another home. You know what? If that's ultimately what ends up happening is that he does thrive and is loved, Yes, you know, yes. as opposed to having a, a family that is frustrated and not happy to see yes. him. Yes, yes. Then let, I, I hope for the best for him. Right? Me too. And I don't know how I feel about them. Allison, thank you so much as always. It's always so insightful when you are on. Yes. Yes, thank you for having me. I really enjoy it. We, you know, we really get to tackle these very heavy, difficult issues and hopefully give uh, the listeners some real insight as to what's going on both in the criminal justice system and just sort of exploring uh, a little bit with more depth um, these cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, If people want to follow you or get in touch with you, how do people find you? Thank you. Um, I have a law firm. It's the Law Offices of Allison Treasel. I am the legal expert for a local Los Angeles station, KTLA, and I'm also the legal expert for Access Holly- NBC's Access Hollywood. Terrific. Thank you so much. I know you're going to be back again. Um, you can always find me at Anna Jean News on all social media platforms. Also, I want to remind everyone we have a special two-part investigation into the death of Georgia jogger Ahmad Arbery. It's out now, so uh, we hope you get a chance to check that out. We worked really hard on that. And as always, you can find our content on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course on YouTube. If you want updates, just subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast. And as we always say, don't do crime. Don't do crime.